Welcome to the Build Podcast, a ministry of the Next Gen team of First Baptist Owasso. We believe the next generation, the children being raised right now, will change the world. They matter to God, to you, and to us. In this episode of Build, Dr. Amy Fitchner talks about parenting with your child's future in mind. Every day you can make a difference in a life of a child. You are not alone. This is Build thrilled to have you here. I do want to ask you this quick question. A couple of you, just like, not in my session or my remarks, it's got to be somebody else. What's one thing you know you're going to leave here that you've got that, oh, it's fine, it's precious, just, okay, I love it. That's, what's something you've learned that you know you're going to take away from one of the other sessions? Giving affirmation to your children even when they don't deserve it sometimes. That's hard. It's like when God gives us mercy and grace and we don't deserve it. What else? Being on mission as a family. That's awesome. Well, this, did you find something? They want to be chosen. Don't we all want to be chosen? Um, we, those of us that run slow can still remember when there were relay races. And, you know, I grew up in Dell City. And I remember, like, if they were looking for the fast team, I knew where I was going to get picked in that process. And it wasn't going to be first. And, in fact, I sometimes just had to volunteer to finish out the team. But I learned that I've got other gifts. And I will never be in the Olympics. And I'm over it. So it's all good. But um, I want you tonight, if you have a piece of paper in your no- place in your notebook, you're going to write something that you're not going to share with anybody. And so if you want to even do it mentally, you can. You don't have to write it. Hello there. You don't have to write it, whichever is best for you. And you're not going to say this aloud. You're not going to share it with your battle buddy, anybody next to you. No one's going to see this but you. And I say that because I always used to do that as a teacher. I found that young people said and did things differently if they knew it was going to be public or if it was their private thought. So, hello there. So, what I want you to do is regardless of the age of your child, if they're um, five months, if they're three, if they're 10, if they're 20, I want you to fast forward all the way to age 35, which is probably hard when you're at five months to think of age 35. But I want you to think of an attribute that you believe you would love to envision for your child at age 35. Something that they either do, something that they are, something, a trait that you want them to have when they are 35 years old. Take your time and think of that. And while you do, I want to go through and tell you about an attribute that I wanted and Wendell wanted for our children. And then I want to tell you like when we struggled with it because it's really nice when you're like, oh, I want to do this and I want to do this and then it doesn't work. And here's the best analogy that I can give you. If you think about leaving on vacation Let's say we're going to go, hypothetically, to Pasadena where our amazing band's going to be performing over the holidays. Well, if I leave Owasso and I go through Joplin and then I look and I think I'm almost to Indiana 
And I think, man, if I could, you know, go on up to Massachusetts, I know eventually I'll get to Pasadena. Well, I would if I circumnavigate the globe and get all the way back around to the other side. What's my first clue that I'm not heading to Pasadena? Probably. Interstate signs. You've already got an A+. You've got the best score in the class. But what if I don't read the signs? And I just keep going because I know I'm right. And I might have done that a few times in my life. I'm stubborn. It's the same way with parenting. You're going to have an attribute. And so the attribute that Wendell and I wanted for Kyle and Katie was that they would grow up to be grateful adults. It was really, really important to both of us. We had seen people in our lives that were not grateful. Um, And we had also, because my husband coached little kids at church, even when we were dating, that back then in Oklahoma City, they used to have youth church leagues. And so eight-year-olds and 10-year-olds and 12-year-olds all played church. And I don't know if they had that in the Tulsa area. I didn't grow up here. But there would be the, the kiddo that you'd bring snacks to and you could bring them cardboard on a stick and they'd be grateful. And then you'd have the other one that the mom would make the homemade cookies with the child's name. And I don't like this icing. This is gross. And so here I was pregnant for the first time. And we talked about this and we were like, we really would love our children to be grateful. So the best gift that we gave them was my husband's really grateful. And he ate some meals that were horrible as a newlywed husband, like really, really, really bad and he would say, gosh, this is great. Thanks for all your hard work. And I, I mean, he really was grateful. He was grateful that I was trying. He was grateful, but he was not grateful because it was a five-star restaurant meal. Let me just tell you. So that was the gratitude. Well, one morning, Katie was in first grade. Kyle was in second. They were always a grade apart, even though they were 20 months apart. Sitting down at breakfast. I'm a stay-at-home mom. I didn't have my degree at that point. Hadn't started teaching or anything, and we're sitting eating breakfast, and Katie says, is this what we're having for breakfast? Well, if she said it like that, I wouldn't have a story to tell you. However, she didn't say it quite like that. It was more this very dramatic first grade girl, is this what we're having for breakfast? And I said, Kyle and I are, but you can go brush your teeth. Now, I'm not sure I thought through this. I could tell you this was a deep, pre-prepared parenting moment, and that would be a complete lie. Actually, I was pretty mad because I was thinking, you ungrateful little, you know. But I said, go ahead and brush your teeth. And I said, but don't worry. You're going to have a great lunch. We'll have something great for dinner. I didn't know what we were having for dinner. It was going to be great, though. Um, And she just looked kind of indignant, like, well, how did this happen? But she was fairly obedient as a child and so she went off and brushed her teeth to which what do you think Kyle did mom this is great man this is good I'll go ahead and eat Katie's you know and I mean that's kind of his life story but she went off to school so now I've sent my child off hungry she hasn't had breakfast she knew school really mattered we always valued education but she knew something was out of whack that morning So, who are the audiences that I had to think about as a parent? Who would have known I did that? Who would have? Kyle and Katie and me at breakfast. Anybody else? Teachers. Yeah, they're going to think, boy, she's a great mother. Who else? 
other students possibly? The Lord knew what I did, absolutely. So, you know, the question is, was I right? Well, one, we never had that issue again. So that was probably an indication it was right. The funny thing was I was a counseling aide in the school a couple years later, and her teacher, who was a minister's wife, of course, you know, and probably thinking we need fishes and loaves for the child who didn't get fed or something, I was thinking. But she said to me, can I ask you a weird question? Back from when Katie was in my room. So Katie would have been third grade. And she said, "Um, was there a day, and I knew where this was going, she said, was there a day when, like, Katie didn't have breakfast? And I said, well, yes. And she said, well, she came in and she, you know, and she was such a cool mom. She was like, she came in and said, my mother won't feed me anymore. Well, she said, I didn't think that really matched up with what I had seen. But I thought, well, you know, if you've ever been a teacher, there are times when children are not fed anymore. And there are times when children don't have food. And we do listen and, and that. And she said, I want you to know, and this is, you'd have to know this lady. She was so sweet. She said, I wasn't undermining you as a parent, but I gave her graham crackers. And then I gave her some saltines after specials. And then, well, then I had some carrot sticks. I mean, she, she, you could tell she was just like needing to confess to me that she had completely undermined my parenting. And I said, Sue, I said, I just want to tell you something. I said, there's a lot of times in my life when I got mercy and grace when I didn't deserve it. Katie got mercy and grace that day. And I said, she learned more lessons than just to be grateful for her meal. She learned that sometimes when we least deserve things, somebody comes along and they're really kind and they're really compassionate and they don't care what our story is. They just love us. And haven't you been the recipient of that mercy and grace when somebody lets you go out in traffic or somebody helps you? Or And so the funniest part of this story... Katie doesn't remember that it happened. So when I mentioned it to her, she was in college and we were talking one day and she goes, Mom, I don't even remember that day. And I'm thinking, I still feel guilty. Here I am, I'm almost 60. And it's still, like, did I do the right thing? Did I? And she was like, it must not have been that big a deal. Well, it was a big enough deal to go tell your teacher that your mother's a terrible person and didn't feed you, you know. But the reality was that messy moment helped Katie be more grateful. And Katie is not a perfect adult. We don't have any of those either, but she is such a grateful person. She's the kind that texts me and says, Mom, I'm at work. And a couple months ago, she texted and she said, there is the sweetest lady in this office that always makes sure our coffee's on in the morning. And she said, don't you just love that there's those people in the world that take care of other people and don't want any credit? I mean, so she's grown up to be this amazing young woman But she was a snotwad that morning. I mean, I'm just telling you, she was not a grateful soul. But if all I think about in my parenting is that one moment, I'm a bad mom. Does that make sense? But if I think of it in context here and what I was trying to accomplish and what we were trying to do, and what if I was wrong? What if I was too harsh? What would I do? You can apologize and say, honey, I'm sorry. Now, if you get mad every time and say you're sorry every time and you do that every day, all day, then like something probably needs to be worked on. But sometimes you are too harsh. Sometimes you're tired and sometimes you're, you know, dragging your wagon and you say things and you're like, that was not a great parenting comment. God probably was not smiling on that. 
So I share that gratitude story with you in that it is a marathon. It's not a, I can have this, you know, I kept thinking when I was little, we had the coolest book of Bible devotions and it's, I mean, the spine is completely broken and we read them and I kept thinking, if I can read the right story, it's going to push the magic button. And we'd do great for a while and then we'd fall off the wagon. And just like with us, we have to go back. There's a reason we don't go to church once a year. There's a reason we have to come back to the well and get refed because we're not strong enough in our humanity to do this life thing alone. So, so when you look at that trait that you wrote down about your child, and I don't want you to share about your child and I don't want you to share about the trait itself, but what are going to be challenges that you're going to have to help your child have that trait? What are challenges either you're going to have or your child's going to have to get to that place? Intentionality. Intentionality. I love that word. I wish that word was around when I was young. It's just happened in the last whatever. Somebody came up with it, I'm sure. But intentionality. One of the challenges is it matters to me right now sitting in the build conference at First Baptist Church in Owasso. Okay, and then I'm going to leave here and I've got to run to the grocery store and I've got to get this and I've got to do that and I've got to... And then after a while we forget, I'm trying to raise a grateful child. Being intentional about it. Marking it, you know, those scriptures in Deuteronomy that talk about marketing, marking on our doorposts and making, thinking about it day after day after day. There's a reason for that because we're human and we forget. So intentionality, that's awesome. I haven't heard that one all day. You should get extra credit. My teacher heart. What else are going to be challenges? Being consistent. Oh, boy, vey, that's hard because we're human. And sometimes we're more energetic than another. It's like when you tell your kids about their bedtime and you're like, if I could just sit here for 15 minutes, they're being quiet and they're playing. I did learn when two close together is mine, when they're too quiet, that is a dangerous time in our household. But, but really being consistent, being faithful to the plan. What else? Yes, that is the pits when you have to be the adult that is the example of what you're... And, and I joke about that, but it is. It's like my mom used to say, and see if I can get this right. She'd be so proud I thought of this. What you're doing is speaking so loudly that I can't hear what you're saying. That's an old quote, but isn't that amazing? And, you know, if, if you're, and that's the reason I've often said that the fact that my, our children were able to see Wendell be consistent and I was able to see him be consistent, that became something that was really, really a great role model for me and for them. What else can be a challenge? Unity, that is hard. Because when one of you is tired, or one of you thinks it's a big deal, or one of you... Maybe there were certain things, like the day I told my husband about Katie with breakfast, you know, and I don't know if you ever do this in your family. He giggled. It was too fresh for it to be funny to me. Do you know what I mean? Like timing is everything in a marriage. And we, we laughed later. We laugh about a lot of stuff at our house. But it was pretty funny because he was like, I've never heard Katie talk like that. That's kind of funny. And I was like, hmm, that was not exactly what I was saying that morning, you know. And I was by then thinking she was going to be on Oprah. I was pretty sure. So um, so unity. Did you think of something else, ma'am? Well, it's just 
several years ago, I put a grocery sack in this little milk box uh -huh. to keep a lot of stuff in. And when I got away from it, Jesus just spoke right. But I realized that united, if you mix up the letters, it's almost um, untied. Mm -hmm. Well, I should have figured that out Wow. United if scrambled is untied. And that may be what our children see when we're not united, is that we're untied. Okay, there's your nugget. You all are, everybody's nodding. Thank you for sharing that. So I want to share with you a couple of little stories here. And I've written these down because I want to make sure I get them right. Um, you know... And, and I am not being sarcastic when I say this, and I am not criticizing another parent, okay? Because everybody's got their own. But I think about the conveniences that we have now. If Katie had missed breakfast today, and let's say she's a junior at Owasso High School, how could she have gotten food? Vending machine? Cafeteria? Quick trip? DoorDash. I mean, think about it. There's so many ways to have our needs met so quickly that we almost don't get to struggle to get to the attribute. Does that make sense? In some ways, it, it can become too easy. So um, here's the questions I wrote down for myself. Did I wonder about Katie all morning? The answer was yes. Was I worried I overreacted? The answer was yes. Did I know at the time I was right? Nope. Didn't have a clue. Was I right? And what I wrote down was yes, because I saw a complete lack of gratitude in my child's heart and her attitude. I knew I had to respond, but I probably didn't know the net effect until down the road. And I think one of the things that's really hard about parenting, I've never been a farmer I've grown a few things. I'm not very good at it. But the patience, the parables that we know in the word to sow the seed and wait, that's hard. And it's scary as a parent because you don't have the evidence until down the road. But what you can do is, what are resources that you would have to help you, help your child get to that attribute? at 35. What are resources that we have when we're parents? Other parents. Other parents. Absolutely. Teachers. Grandparents. And some of our folks don't have extended family to pour into them. Um, what other resources? Prayer. And the word of God. Because there's some truths in there that are just like, you can't plant, you know, this seed. You can't plant a cucumber seed and get something else. Your only thing you're going to get is a cucumber. I mean, that's just a law of nature. And I have certainly tried to plant this seed and get something else in my life. I don't know about you all. So what other resources do you have? You've got Google. You can Google anything, and you can find anything. Whether it's accurate or not, that's a whole other episode of Geraldo right there. 
Exactly. So now here's what I want you to think about. I want you to envision your child at 35 with the attribute that you wrote down. Just kind of slow yourself down and think about it. What amazing fruits will that your child have as an adult if that attribute is in their life at 35? What will they have? They would have a foundation. What would be the attributes that would be in their life? Um, for Katie, if she's grateful, she's going to be content. That, there's nothing in the world that can buy contentment. So when you think of those traits, what are some things your children will experience if they have those attributes? Joy. I remember when I was in youth group, when I was first starting to go to church, the youth pastor said, happiness is this and joy is this. And I've never forgotten it. I can still see him standing in front of me because joy is just what takes you through no matter what. What else will they have? Compassion for others, yes. One lady in the first, go ahead, I'm sorry. No, please go ahead. Absolutely. You've just given, and it's so fascinating. The lady I was going to mention, and I'm sorry to interrupt you, she said, she said, my child could actually have a servant's heart if that attribute, and another lady was talking about compassion, and she said, it's almost like something they could own themselves later that you don't have to keep pouring into. Um, but don't you just get weary getting there? Can we just be real for just a minute? I mean, like when you're... It all sounds great that you want to raise a man of character and a woman of grace and gratitude and blah, 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 blah. And that all sounds great. And then you're like, but we got to get baths taken and we got to get homework done and we got to, you know, so we get the tyranny of the urgent. So what do parents need when they're trying to navigate all this? Think about you for just a moment. What do you need? A nap. That is an honest answer too. <laughs> sleep, a nap. You need some time. I told both of the other groups, and I didn't even know I was going to tell this story, but for about 20 years, my husband and I went to Cedar Ridge Christian Church down in South Tulsa, and we, we actually drove back and forth from 2000. We moved here in 2015, but we drove back and forth because I was in the nursery, and he did security, and we started going to church here in, in Owasso in May. So I was in the nursery a lot. And I will never forget this young man. I think he was about 12, but he had a brand new baby, probably not much different in age than you have. And he literally walked in the nursery and he was just like, here. I mean, and so I took the baby and he said, I just want you to know, Miss Amy, I'm going to church to sleep. And he, then he looked at me like he, and I said, go for it. You probably need some sleep. <laughs> Do what? Seriously, the poor boy couldn't even keep his eyes open. And I'm sure I could have said, well, young man, you need to be paying attention. You need to have God's word poured into you. And, and he probably did. But right that, in that moment, it was like the woman at the well. 
that she didn't need church. She needed compassion. He needed sleep. He needed. And when he came back in, he was like, I feel better. And he's picking up the baby and he's going home and he needed a nap. He just got it during pastor's sermon. My point in that is you can't run on empty as a parent very long. You start making bad decisions. You say things you wish you hadn't said. You are, you're just not in a good spot. And when your well is empty, oh, I wish I, I wish someone had told me when I was younger, and I probably wish I wasn't so stubborn that I would have listened. You can't defy the laws of nature. You have to have sleep and rest. Those are God's laws, not Amy's. And so resting where you're, otherwise everything your child does is like, Personal, you know. So what else do you need when you're a parent? Whether they're five months or 20. What? A plan. plan. Intentionality that goes with what you said earlier. A plan. You have to know I'm not going to just wing it every day. And you have to be flexible, but you have to have a plan. How do you plan for God's word to be in your child? How do you plan for um, them to be exposed to character? How does that all play out? What else do you need as a parent? Support. Mm-hmm. And for some people that is grandma, some for some people that is sister, for some people that's spouse, but support and a teammate. And you know, there's a flip side of that. What you don't need is people that don't support you. And I'm not saying like if you're really messing things up, you don't need people to come in and lie and say, that was great. You should yell at your child some more, you know. But I I hadn't thought of this. In fact, I didn't think of it the first session. I didn't think of it as I was preparing. But I told the last group, I was at McCartney's Grocery Store. Kyle was born in December, so this would have been 1985. And I remember standing there, and the Love's diapers used to come in this slick, waxed box. And it was really important that we bought Love's because my husband would tear the top off of it, and he'd set Kyle down in it and drive him around the house in it. And it was real slick and waxy, so it was just a blast. It was you know, when you don't have a lot of money, you make your own toys. But I was buying diapers and had a few other things. And the lady stopped me and she said, I cannot believe you do not have that child potty trained. Well, Kyle, 6'4", 235, he's a good-sized man. And he was a good-sized baby. And I said, and I remember I was trying not to cry because I was thinking, you know, because I was trying not to cry. And she's, I said, ma'am, how old do you think he is? And she said, well, he's got to be almost three. Well, he was 11 months old. He wasn't three. He was just a big boy. And she said, oh, she said, well, she said, um, he, something about he, he, he should be closer than he is. I mean, it was like, I'm thinking, we just met each other right here. And, you know, but I said, well, and this is, you know, my husband laughs about me being Pollyanna and they make fun of me at work. But I said, well, thank you for helping me. And later I told Wendell when I got home and he goes, did you really say thank you for helping me? I said, I couldn't think of anything else. I was either that or cry, you know. But what I've learned from that is when I see someone parenting, if I can't say something nice, it's kind of like thump or don't say anything at all. Because what does it do to, I mean, it's almost like vinegar to a person who's already struggling. Um, so I've said to people, gosh, you're doing a great job as a mom. And I'm thinking, you know, but I mean, not lying because they are doing, they're upright and they're pushing through and they're fighting and they're trying to do whatever they can do, but they need support. 
Um, and even when you talk about teamwork, let's say it's grandma and you or mom and dad, even when your wife or your husband struggles as a parent, they need you to say, hey, I saw you trying really hard. And one of the things Wendell and I learned to say to each other is, okay, we're working through this, aren't we? That was our code for, we don't know what we're doing. You probably messed up or I probably messed up, but we just say, we're working through this. Um, because we knew our kids needed both of us, we certainly couldn't do it alone. Um, so as you look at this, I want to share with you about, I want to share an Henri story with you. And help me with, how are we on time? Are we pretty close? We're supposed to finish at 7.30. I've got time for an, oh, I've got time for an Henri story. Um, one of the things that I wish someone had said to me every morning was God's word is true. I know that. I know that I know that I know that. But if you're not sure where what you're doing parenting-wise, where it fits, you have a litmus test, you have a yardstick, you have something that you can absolutely know God doesn't lie. And when the whole world is upside down. So there was a lady in my life, and her name was Norma Hull. Um, she was, her husband was our pastor in Oklahoma City. And he had been the chaplain for the Indiana Hoosiers when Bobby Knight was coaching there. So my husband, who is a basketball player and coach and all that, I mean, he just loved. The thought that Bobby Knight's chaplain was our pastor was just like the coolest thing ever. And Norma, they had three boys. They were three boys within, I think, about four years. So she spent most of her time in the emergency room with three boys um, who like to jump and do and everything else. In fact, Don, the oldest, the one I'm getting ready to tell you the story about, was in our wedding. He was 6'5", Wendell 6'4", the boys. I mean, it was just, they were a basketball team, and they played themselves, and they coached little boys, and they were just little boys themselves, at grown men. Well, Norma and Pastor Hull had a rule in their home that no matter how late you stayed out, Friday and Saturday night, you were in church on Sunday morning, and it was non-negotiable. So... Don had been out, I'm gathering, quite late. He would have been probably like 20 to 23. He was actually in the police academy in Oklahoma City. And, um, but he was out really, really, really late. And how I knew was when he came into church and all the guys were sitting out there, he looked like he hadn't been to bed yet. And I was in the choir loft back when we all sat in the choir loft. And Norma was sitting next to me and she nudged me. And at this point... I think I had just found out maybe that I was pregnant with Kyle or maybe just a couple months along. She goes, watch this. God's on my side. And we're in, I mean, her husband's preaching. She's in the choir loft and we're probably not supposed to be talking, but I'm completely intrigued with whatever she's telling me. And she said, watch Don. And I was like, okay. So I look out there. Well, Don is sitting there and he's 6'5". It's not like you can't see him. And he's starting to nod off. And she goes, he's getting ready to fall asleep. Now, mother should not rejoice, when, but I'm pretty sure she had told him, if you stay up too late, you're going to be tired and blah, 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 you know, how we do as parents. About then, as God is my witness, Don takes a nosedive and hits the pew. I mean, the loudest bang you have ever heard in church. Like, even if you dropped a hymnal twice, you could not make, and he pops back up, and we're maybe... 20 rows because they were not sitting in the front of the church of course because they were all college boys 
a line across the young man's forehead. I mean, like you can see it, it was instant. And these were old, chunky, wooden pews, you know. And he pops up and she said, see, God's on my side. <laughs> well, I mean, I, have a, I'm, I haven't even given birth to our first child yet. So I'm thinking, she's a little harsh, you know. Oh, did I have a different perspective by the time I raised teenagers anyway. So the funniest part of all that, though, is that Don went on to be a police officer. In fact, he was one of the officers that went into the Murrah Federal Building and carried the children out of the daycare. Grew up to be a marvelous man, just A. We got to go to his retirement. He is just a giver. He's a lot like his daddy. He took a little scenic tour in there and stayed out late and who knows what all. And there's probably lots of people here in our churches and also that stayed out a little late when they were in college, I would bet. And I tell you that story is that Satan would have you think, whether it's your son staying out too late in college or your daughter saying, are we eating this for breakfast? That you're a failure as a parent because that makes you want to quit. But be not weary in well-doing and keep pushing through because it's a moment Now, if you see patterns that are complicated, then stop. Get some help. Reach out. Ask. Be humble. Your child's worth it. Um, I was very fortunate that I had people in my life that I could say, I'm scared. They're making choices that bother me. Even if they weren't humongous, they were enough. But I knew I needed to talk to somebody that was wise counsel. But here's what Norma said. And I wrote this down, and I've had it for years. And I'm going to say it kind of slow. It's not very long, but it's a little bit hard to process, I think. She said, love your child, but don't love them more than loving what God says is best. So I'm going to say it again. Love your child, but don't love them more than loving what God says is best. The other thing she said was don't get too worked up and take things personally because you'll give yourself an ulcer every day. So she was a pretty funny lady. But what she was saying was, I love Katie Fitchner. If I stop and think about Katie Hunt now, but if I stop and think about the fact that God trusted me with a child, I'm overwhelmed with gratitude and that. But the reality is, I can't love Katie so much that I let her be disrespectful to adults. I can't love her so much that I let her steal something and say, oh, she just was having a bad day. I can't love her so much that I let her mistreat her brother or he, her, and say, well, they're just having... You see what I mean? You you can't love them so much that you excuse the behavior that God says is not right. That's a hard thing as parents because we love them. And we don't want to hear the bad stuff about our kids. We want the teacher to say they were perfect and they smiled and they did. And we don't want them. One of Kyle's teachers in fourth grade said he doesn't really have an affinity for proofreading. And I said, is that kind of like he doesn't ever check his work? And she said, well, yes. But I thought that was a very kind way for her to tell me, you know. And I I wanted her to say, man, he's a hard worker. and And he is but he just didn't believe in periods and commas. I'm not sure he still does. And she was pointing that out, but she wasn't saying I was a bad parent. She was just saying he doesn't like periods and commas. Does that make sense? And so we can't be so defensive that we're, oh, that doesn't apply to me and that teacher, you know, because we want to do that. We want to be, I want to be mama bear sometimes. And I even do that with our staff now. If somebody criticizes a teacher or a secretary or something, there's a little part of me that kind of, 
and I have to go, wait a minute, is there any truth to it? Let's work through it. So the last quote I have for you before we wrap up is, um, the last note I had was, always make sure to ask for help from people whose values align with where you're going. There's lots of people that have all kinds of opinions, but always make sure it's someone that's taking you where um, you're going. But here is Tim Elmore. If you ever get a chance to follow him on Twitter, he's written the books Habitudes and some other things. And one of the things I love about him, he talks about growing leaders. And we always think about leaders being student council president or, you know, captain of the football team or whatever. But a leader is just a person that can take other people to a new place. And he says, we have to prepare the child for the path and not the path for the child. We have to prepare the child for the path and not the path for the child. We want to be the helicopter parent. We want to be the lawnmower parent. I shared with the other groups. I had a lady one time tell me, I am not a helicopter mom. I am a stealth bomber coming to the rescue mom. And I thought, well, at least she knows herself, you know. But the reality is, I'm not there most of the time for my children, but God is. So if I'm aligning with him and preparing him, preparing Kyler Katie for what these things are that we want them to be. The other thing too is when you talked about, and this really struck me when you said in your earlier session, you said your child wants to be chosen. Knowing that you paint a future for your child that has value and that you see them being something that they can't even see themselves, that is a powerful thing. When someone said, I remember when someone said to me, Amy, I think you can be a teacher. And I was like, I can't be a teacher. I don't have a college degree. I can't do this. And they said, you have a teacher's heart. I will never forget that conversation with Margie Moore. I know where I was standing when she said it. And she saw something in me. Now, if you go home tonight and you say, I am going to raise you to be grateful at 35. And by golly, you know. But if you say to your child, I know you're struggling being grateful but I know you want to be a grateful person. Even speaking those words of affirmation into your child's life is a powerful experience. So thank you for taking time out. This is a massive commitment of time. And I don't know about you, when I learn about my children or things that I was doing, it was like I feel like my whole soul's kind of in there and you feel like you've kind of done this. So I'm grateful to First Baptist for what they've done. I think this was an amazing vision that they came up with. So I'm here in the community if I can ever help with anything. Um, I probably will send a private Facebook message to Don Hall tonight and tell him I told his his, um, pew story, but his mom still thinks it's funny. They revisit it from time to time. So thank you for being here. Get some rest, take good care of yourselves. And um, if I can serve you anyway, let me know. Thanks for listening to Build. Our desire is to walk with you. We hope the episode helps you better understand your kids and engage with them more intentionally. The Build conversation never ends. Visit fbcowasso.org to stay connected and discover an incredible community of people who are on this journey together. We look forward to building an incredible story with you.